Have you ever looked at someone who is a corporate practitioner or a business owner and was curious about their journey, what they've experienced, their passion projects, and the practices that have helped them be successful in their work? The Formula Exchange Podcast is the place where the inner genius of our guest meets your curiosity. Our podcast episodes are quick chats geared towards revealing the person behind the LinkedIn profile. You'll quickly discover and learn about their journey what they're doing, and our guest will leave you with a formula to help you conquer your next. I'm your host, Dr. Lenny Cook. So this episode is a little different. Um, It kind of highlights an experience of a person just starting out in her own career journey. Now, we've all heard about it, or some of us have even experienced it, the toxic work environment. Well, with our podcast guest experience, Hopefully we can all kind of learn from her takeaways and explore how we can create space for others to be able to um, feel included, supported, um, encouraged, while at the same time lending perspective for their growth. So meet Michaela Smith, our podcast guest for the Formula Exchange. Hey, good morning, Michaela. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for your time and just, you know, allowing us to learn a little bit more about you and your journey. Um, just a quick question for you. Can you um, go ahead and kind of give us an idea of what you're doing and how you have, you know, how you arrived to the point of doing what you're doing in your career? Sure. So currently I am a uh, client market analyst at IRI, Information Resources, Inc. And I started off doing assistant sales work at a certain CPG broker, I would become a client manager, but then decided the client manager position and role was not for me and left to go pursue analytics, which is where my interests truly lied. Yeah. Now you have, you have a very unique experience that we kind of talked about before. Um, So do you want to kind of give us a little insight as to what that experience was? Sure. That experience was me having to learn how to stand up for myself in a workplace that I, it took a very long time for me to realize was more toxic than I initially thought. Because uh, my idea of a toxic workplace was one where your bosses are screaming at you all the time, you know, like on TV shows. Uh, But in this case, it was much more subtle and kind of insidious. And what was that like for you? like I said, it was very slow building until it all came to a head. I remember when I first uh, came to this place, it was as a temporary worker. And at the time, they hadn't given me any instruction on what to do or how to do anything. I was kind of just put in a corner, stare at a computer screen for about eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, and then I apparently did well enough doing, I'm not sure, to warrant an interview. So I came in for the interview, presented myself the best way I could. And... I didn't know until I think a couple of years after the fact, when one of the managers who was present at the interview told me that they were considering letting me go because they didn't, they thought I didn't know what I was doing. And she had to tell them to, she basically had to tell them off. So, you know, that was my first little glimpse into that. I was kind of set up for failure without realizing it. But at the time I was young, dumb and had low self-esteem. So I took it as a, oh, well, I must have done well enough to earn their respect. Um, From that point on, it was kind of, you know, very quiet. Um, It was just 
a place I went to work, came home. There were a couple incidents here and there. I remember a uh, white woman coming to touch my hair without my permission. She did it very suddenly. It was kind of shocking. Luckily, there was another black woman there to stand up and say, hey, you can't do that. But um, after that, it was very kind of quiet, low key. I did have a manager who was very kind. She eventually left her distress. And then I learned why she left when I took on the client manager role. And that's when things started coming to a head because the role was so much to keep up with. And my supervisor and senior were, well, they just, they just didn't really communicate. And I remember I came back from a vacation. I had been visiting some friends down in Alabama. And when I came back, they had set up a meeting that I didn't know anything about. I didn't know what was in the meeting. They just said, it just said follow-up meeting. When I came into it, turns out it was the prize performance improvement plan. And that they thought my, uh, <laughs> they thought my performance was terrible. Never told me it was terrible. I thought I was doing, I thought I was getting better, but I apparently I wasn't. They told my performance was terrible. And they, while some of the things they brought up were things that yes, were on me. There were things that were not on me and were the result of my senior simply not knowing what I was doing because I was emailing her everything. Mm -hmm. So when I stood up for myself on that, I got labeled as argumentative and told, do you want to keep working here or not? You were saying that, um, you know, when you were kind of taken up for yourself, it wasn't you yelling, it wasn't you screaming. It was you mm -hmm. just kind of kind of speaking up saying, hey, I didn't do this and I can prove and prove yeah, that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just saying it was, I was just very insistent about it because I just wanted them to know, like, I didn't do this. Like, you have the wrong idea. I did answer this email. I just didn't include my senior on it because I didn't think I would need to. And I also wasn't aware that she was taking everything I was doing and telling the supervisor, which I mean, I, I'm not going to fault her for that because that is kind that was kind of her job. Um, I think that's pretty normal at most jobs. The manager talks to their boss and lets you know how the new person's doing. It's, I think that's pretty common, but if she was going to make a mistake on this, I figured, Hey, this isn't something I did, but it was just treated as that's besides the point you're doing terribly. Do you want to work here or not? And later on, this came up as me being argumentative and arguing with the supervisor when it, I, it was just me standing up for myself and being a black and brown um, person. I believe black and brown people deal with this like in general deal with this, but especially women and non-binary people presenting as women get the brunt of like any type of defending yourself. I mean, showing an emotion besides um, happy, joy, shucking and jiving, I don't know. And just standing up for yourself and being a, you know, a human being in the workplace gets taken as an act of aggression. When yeah. it's not, it's really is not, it's not. Yeah. It's not being aggressive. It's not being argumentative. It's not being um, difficult. It's just saying, hey, this isn't what happened. I'm trying to tell you my side of the story, but you have shut this down into a one-sided conversation. And with these factors at play, it's making it very hard for me to do so. And it's making me question. Well, it's not, it, it's not making me question, but it's putting me in a position where I'm now questioning a lot of things about myself, my environment, and I guess to be a little dramatic, my current reality, right? And by that, I don't mean like, you know, having a break from reality or anything like that, but just the things happening, if I'm perceiving the things happening correctly, or if I'm just tripping yeah. to be casual about it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I think it's, 
I think it's a really special work environment when they there's space made for mm-hmm. perspective, right? And yeah. some people are really good at that, um, but many are not, right? Especially yeah. when you have more traditional, um, you know, work structures in place. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is really, this was a very rich conversation about, you know, just um, some of the pitfalls of not having a, a place where people can dialogue and, and lend perspective and clarity. Um, so yeah, thank you for for um, clarifying that part of your story. Later on, um, I just in a fit of spite, I guess, I started overworking myself to prove that yes, I can do this. I was just overwhelmed because I had some uh, chaos happening in real life too that had been affecting me, which this also came up in the perform- the performance improvement plan meeting where my supervisor came at me and said, we offered to help you. You didn't take it. So if you really needed help, you would have said something, even though it was nothing they could have really helped with, but you know. Um, and so later on, things went well until I made a mistake that I have been told is a mistake that everybody makes as a new client manager. Like, it's just something that's bound to happen. I'm not proud to say it was a pretty big mistake. And um, I was trying to fix it. I was trying to take responsibility and fix it. And when I was pulled into a meeting to ask for uh, help, because I had been, you know, up to this point, I have been communicating everything to my senior since she wanted to see everything. I've been communicating everything to her, trying to loop her into everything. Um, and so when it came to my supervisor and I asked for help, she exploded, calling me, called me irresponsible, inconsiderate, um, just a litany of other things, short of cursing. And kind of topped this meeting off with a little, do you have any other questions? Uh, that was a moment where I quit. <laughs> Um, well, that's, that was my breaking point where I said, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hear a lot of things that were happening for you. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I guess in terms of the toxic workplace, it kind of boils down to um, how you were handled as a new employee. Um, and yeah. as somebody who was just starting your career. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, just preparedness for the role and setting expectations, providing feedback, like some of those elements seem to be missing. Um, so I guess for yourself, I know one of the things that you eventually ended up doing was asserting yourself, but, you know, leading up to that place, um, how were you able to, I don't want to say successfully, because you, you seem to kind of get bumped around a little bit, but how were you able to successfully navigate this experience that you were having? So prior to this experience, um, this, I want to say that this kind of um, just became a big pile of mess when I took the client manager role. So prior to that, I actually was not getting into much conflict. Again, here and there, there were some people who just said or did something ignorant, but it wasn't anything that was like what made me quit. It was just, you know, an annoying microaggression at worst. <laughs> so um, up to this point, I guess I... Uh, successfully for lack of a better word navigated it because I never really encountered it mm-hmm. yeah and I guess maybe since you had never really encountered it you didn't really know how to define it like you were probably experiencing yeah. things like well hold on what was that am I tripping am I having a bad moment am I reading this the wrong way right mm-hmm. and so um sometimes I guess when that happens we end up enduring things a lot longer than we should um when you were able to finally assert yourself um what did that look like for, for you 
so it was during the initial performance improvement plan meeting where I said they had told me that I was um, based on an email. I hadn't, I wasn't answering emails, which to this day, I think is kind of stupid because what was happening was that I would just answer them maybe a day late sometimes. Probably not the best situation to be in, but definitely nothing, you know, nothing that would break the business. But I would answer emails a day late or a couple hours late, which again, which is, I'm pretty sure it's pretty common in a lot of workplaces. And this wasn't every email. This was some emails because I was so overwhelmed with stuff. So I would answer some emails um, a couple of days, like not a couple of days, excuse me, a day late or so, but they would just say Are you saying a day later or a day late? Like, because those are two different things. So like, is it, you would get an email and then the next day you would respond to the email? Is that what it was? Sometimes it would be that, or it was, um, I get an email, more commonly what happens, I would get email at nine in the morning. I didn't have an answer for it because I have been told conflicting instructions such as, oh, don't answer an email if you don't have an answer to it. So for example, let's say you get an email, you don't know what it is, but you just say, hey, I'm looking into this. I'll get back into this later. Um, I have been told don't answer with that. And then I, when I didn't answer with that, I said, okay, let me just find the answer first. And sometimes this would be an all day affair. They come back and say, you need to let the client know that you're looking into it. So, you know, conflicting things. I, I wasn't sure what to do. Yeah. And it just ended up being used against me. Yeah. So there was that. So which is why it was, which is why I meant when I like, I would get an email at, I don't know, 10, 10 AM. And sometimes I wouldn't answer until the next day because I was trying to find the answer and I didn't want to get dinged again for responding with, Hey, I'm looking into this, even though I was getting conflicting answers from the same people about what to do with that. Well, what's something people misunderstand about communicating feedback within the work environment? Uh, I believe some people think that it's, it's supposed to be one-sided. In this case, for example, I didn't receive proper feedback until I had a performance improvement plan sprung on me. When I believe it should have been ongoing. Well, I had a, they, they told me that they were constantly telling me feedback, but the feedback they were giving me were things like asking me, hey, are you okay? Are you doing fine? Do you need any help? And, you know, things I wouldn't, I, I personally wouldn't immediately get. I'm not sure if other people would have picked up on it and said, oh, these are, the, something is wrong. They're trying to help me. I just, I I just assumed it was like, oh, I'm a new person. So they're just, you know, making sure I'm doing okay. When in reality, what they were trying to subtly communicate to me is you're doing terrible. Do you need help? Which yeah. I, so um, it's very, I think it's, I think people misunderstood it as a one-sided thing, a thing that needs to happen during um, big events like performance improvement plans. And that uh, if you come into it frustrated, or uh, don't, not expecting your employee to say, hey, I didn't do this because that's what it looked like for me. They had, um, yes, they had digging me for not answering a, uh, a client's email. When I had answered, I just answered it over the phone. And I, then I followed up on email, but didn't include my senior on it. So one of our questions during the podcast is, you know, what is your aha moment in all of this, like in, in everything that you were experiencing in this, you know, difficult time of your, in your um, professional experience, what was one of your aha moments? Unfortunately, I don't think my aha moment really came until I um, hit my breaking point, which is a bit 
sad, but sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, so it didn't really come to me until I hit that point where I was in that meeting and the supervisor was just reaming me out, you know, irresponsible, inconsiderate, all this stuff. And I just realized, you know, I don't have to put up with this. I actually do not have to sit here and do this. I'm not in a position where I have to put up with this and, you know, deal with it. And I figured I was going to be fired anyway. So I just, I just quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for you, um, how could self-assertion lend itself to the audience? I believe self-assertion is something that you need, not just for work, but in life in general. If you don't assert yourself, people will walk all over you and, you know, tell you, tell you who you are when, of course, they don't know who you are. You know who you are. So I, if you need to be self-assertive at any point, even if it doesn't necessarily win in the short term, self-assertion isn't always just saying, hey, I didn't do this. It's, hey, if you're not going to treat me with respect, I'm going to go. It ties in with self-respect, I think, and being able to, having enough self-respect to assert yourself, even to people who have more authority over you, I think is definitely key, whether they're people who actually have more authority over you or you perceive them to have more authority over you. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty important. Um, I, I know there's a, a big trend within just management these days where um, feedback, like there's feedback loops where there's an ongoing conversation that's occurring, right? It's, you know, listening and giving and it's it's a flow both ways from, you know, who would be considered upper management and the person being managed. Um, it sounds like that structure was kind of missing in your experience and it was a very, you know, um, unilateral approach or, or, or one way yeah. feedback loop. Um, and so that caused a lot of, uh, I guess, distress in, in, or duress in your own experience. Um, for you, uh, what has been a bright spot in your journey? I know you mentioned that your aha moment came after the fact. Um, so mm -hmm. how has that lended itself to, you know, where, where you are now and what you're experiencing now? So where I'm now, I'm definitely um, more selective with choosing a place to work. Currently where I work is pretty good. They seem to be very respectful. They are, do actively openly communicate telling me, hey, you're doing a good job or hey, I think you need some, I think it'd be good if we went over this. So I do greatly appreciate that. And I think going through all, I wish I hadn't gone through all that, but going through all that has uh, helps me pick a better place to work and definitely has made me more discerning about the people who I let into my life. Yeah. So, you know, lessons that you can apply from work into your everyday non-work life. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess for you, um, what's one of the most important things that you learned? I know you just mentioned just kind of been a little bit more discerning. That's, that's a very strong lesson to learn. Uh, mm -hmm. What's something else that um, you would say is one of the most important le lessons you've learned through your experience of what would be considered a toxic work environment? If you see a warning sign, don't brush it off as just, oh, it could be this or it could be that. Just take it at face value because you're pr it's probably what, exactly what you think it is. There were a lot of warning signs, most of them very subtle that I had just brushed off or said, oh, this is a challenge for me to rise up to when it, it, it wasn't. It was just uh, a bad work environment. So if you see something like that, nine times out of 10, your gut is correct. And if you really aren't sure, uh, just do a three times trial. If it happens three times, that's it. 
don't don't put up with anything you don't need to put up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty key. I, like I said, like sometimes when we experience things, we're like, "Did I just experience that?" And and it mm-hmm. lends itself to us enduring it longer than we really should, right? Um, yeah. So for yourself and you as a person who was just beginning their career, um, what would be your advice to management who is you know, in the position to manage and to provide feedback and to interact with, you know, a person who's new in their career, maybe a person who, you know, is is learning the ropes. Like my question would have been, what's your formula for managers having success with working with marginalized groups, right? And of course, we're two Black women, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it can be about that, but it can also be broader than that, because I think People, all types of people deal with toxic work environments. And of course, we deal with microaggressions as, you know, people of, as women of color. So do you want me to keep the question as is, or do you want me to kind of shift it a little bit? Uh, We can keep it as is. I, the formula for managers, it's probably more complex than what I'm going to say, but to keep it nice and short, self-reflection, self-awareness, and, you know, a little humility, because Sometimes when you are going to go to criticize an employee for something, you might make a mistake doing it just in the way that the employee might have made a mistake leading up to you giving that feedback. And when the employee points out and says, hey, I didn't do this, it doesn't hurt to take a few minutes to actually look into what happened or what the employee is saying and saying, oh, that's my bad. So sorry. I've had two incidents of this happening. One in my old workplace, one in my new workplace. At the old workplace, I was brushed off and deemed argumentative. At the new workplace, we looked into it together and we realized that we had both made a mistake and we both laughed it off and things went on as usual. When you have the humility to just open the line of communication and just allow for feedback to come to you in the same way that you're giving it to the employee, it makes for a much more um, I guess, less tense and more constructive conversation, because at the end of the day, it's not about you coming to this employee and say, hey, if you don't do this, we're going to kick you out. I mean, at least I hope that's not what's happening, but it's about helping them improve because at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure you want this person for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, a sentimental one, like you really care about this in person, you want to see them to exceed, or maybe more practical one. It's just, it's more money to fire someone and have to rehire than it is to just keep them on and improve them you really should want to be, and I really hope it's more the first one than the second one. I really do, but you really should be more invested. You should be invested in seeing your employees grow. And that does take um, that self-reflection, awareness, and little humility. I'm sorry, that was a little rambling. That was a little rambly. Oh my God. No, that's fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And as far as the self-awareness goes, this just make this point very quick. So this answer isn't longer than it needs to be. But when it comes to the self-awareness, just be aware of the position you're in and who you're talking to. I was being talked down to by two white women who were in senior positions over me. So even though they've never said anything explicitly racist, I'm not even like to this day, I'm still not sure if the, um, if the, the, uh, the conversations we had would count as forms of microaggressions or not. It still didn't feel great. If it still felt kind of, if it, it, it was enough for me to really wonder to, it was enough for me to just wonder, was this really happening? So please be aware of the position you're in when you're talking to your employees. Yeah, that's very, that's very important. Yeah. And I, of, 
of course, all of us bring like these cultural ex- experiences to the table, right? So even if it's not a racial thing, um, it could be, you know, maybe someone comes from a background of having experienced trauma, right? And so yeah. the act of even yelling and raising your voice to them can be triggering, right? So just thinking in terms of um, how we handle people, I think could yield better and stronger results, you know, from a management position. So you've, you've really said a, a lot of key um, points that I think are some wonderful takeaways for our audience. So let's go ahead and connect the dots, right? With, yeah. all, of, with all of this that was said, um, you experienced toxicity in, a, in the workplace. Um, you, you kind of fumbled to you know, defend yourself. Um, when you did learn to assert yourself, um, you were able to take that into your next work environment. And it's not mm-hmm. you know, necessarily seen as an act of aggression, but an act of an opportunity to you know, figure out things together and, and find solutions. Um, what am I missing? Did, did I connect the dots correctly for you? Yeah, I think that's it. Cool, cool. All right, so my favorite question to ask um, is, what can our audience do to assist you on your journey? I mean, I think personally, I don't need any assistance or help. I'm doing pretty well. I'm just glad, I'm just happy to be here. But um, if you want to help me, just take everything I said, and I hope it helps you. If you're in a toxic situation, I hope it helps you get out of it. If you're not in one yet, that's great. But I hope it helps you be vigilant in case you unknowingly walk right into one. I wouldn't want anyone having to deal with what I dealt with, being um, talked to and dealt with so harshly for making mistakes that were supposedly just common mistakes and being an emotional punching bag because you're manager is frustrated. Like I, I definitely would not want anyone having to deal with that. All right, Michaela. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I know it's not very easy to recount um, an experience that you would have preferred to not have, but I think sometimes when we do do that, it actually um, allows us to open up communication with other people who are experiencing something similar or people who are perpetuating and perpet- uh, perpetrators and and someone else having to experience that. So it really kind of just helps um, the community all around. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and for sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me.